Have you lost skills in the pandemic? If so, you may be entitled to compensate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I do want to talk about losing skills in the pandemic today. Hi everyone, I'm Charlotte from Chicago and thank you for joining us for our first ever video episode of We Us and Ours podcast. Some of you may be listening to this podcast, which is fabulous, but I wanted to test something new and we are also doing a video episode of this podcast, which is really exciting, episode number 27. So if you haven't listened to our other episodes yet, you gotta go back and do that. They are awesome, we have some incredible guests, there is some episodes of just me, but I know you will you will enjoy. But today I want to talk about something that has been on my heart and in a lot of conversations that I've had recently, and that is the concept of losing skills over the last two years. Obviously, everyone has been affected by the pandemic in some way or another, and it doesn't matter what corner of the world you are, everyone has been affected. And it's so interesting to be having conversations with people about skills that they have lost during the pandemic or just tolerances that they've lost. And the more that I've had this conversation, the more people that I've talked to that say it as if they feel like they're the only ones going through it. And that's so not the case. And so just as a little asterisk disclaimer, I want you to know that if you feel like you have lost skills, you have lost tolerances during the pandemic, you are not alone. And it is totally understandable and acceptable and valid to be feeling what you are feeling. So you may not have been feeling this either, and that's totally fine. Love that for you. But you might not even realize that this is what you've been feeling or being able to articulate it that way because I wasn't able to until recently. And there's been a couple instances that really just kind of shook me up and I was like, oh, that, yeah, that is a result of the last two years of not doing X, Y, and Z. And it can be little things or it can be big things and really anywhere in between. For me, even just this past week, I decided to go to Home Goods one night because I got a new dining table and I needed some placemats and some other homey touches. And there's a Home Goods not very far from my apartment. So it was a Saturday night and I said, you know what, I'm gonna go kinda late because hopefully there's not gonna be many people there. There were surprisingly a lot of people at Home Goods at like 8.30 p.m. on a Saturday night, but also I was there so I can't judge anyone. But when I was walking out, I had a couple bags and I was carrying everything because I hate having to leave the cart out there or bring it back and you always, you always gotta put the cart back. Don't be annoying about where you leave a shopping cart. So I was like, okay, I'll leave the cart inside and I'll just carry everything. So I'm carrying things out and I walk out to my car and it, again, it's 8.30, 8.45 at night at this point and it's dark and I'm walking to my car and I realize oh, I didn't take out my keys before walking to the car. So I'm kind of fumbling in my purse and just trying to reach for my keys as I'm walking up. And I'm like, where are my keys? What? My purse, like most women, bottomless pit. Absolute bottomless pit. You can never find anything in there, but also everything you could ever need is in there. So, you know, it's a trade off. But I'm walking to my car thinking, 
I can't, I can't find my keys. And so I get to my car and I'm fumbling in my bag for my keys. And I'm thinking, Charlotte, this is such a rookie move. You as a young woman, you never do that. You, I have known for years that when you walk to your car, especially at night, especially alone, you have your car keys in hand. That is when you are one of the biggest targets is when you are fumbling at your bag for your car keys in the dark in a parking lot by yourself. And I'm walking there and thinking, how did I, I have never not done this. Like since I was a teenager, since I could drive, I was always told, walk out with your car keys in hand. So the fact that I walked out at night without my keys in hand and I had all these bags, I was quote unquote, a sitting duck for, thankfully I live in a great area and there's not a whole lot of threats outside of home goods on a Saturday night, but still it's the thought that I have done this for years, years. And I, because I haven't been out driving at night that much over the last two years, I haven't been out doing things by myself at night in somewhat ill lit parking lots. And it, it really just hit me. I got into the car and I texted my best friend. I was like, I just made such a rookie move. And I told her what happened. She's like, that's, that's so weird that you've been doing this for as long as you've been driving. I was like, yeah. So that was something that really just sparked it with me of like, wow, I never would usually do something like this. And that is something I guess relatively small, but there's also bigger things that I've lost tolerance for. I have lost tolerance to handle chaos. And I know that sentence may sound weird, but I have realized that I used to tolerate a lot of chaos in my life before 2020. And I have a lot less tolerance for that said chaos now. And some of that is conversations with people. And I am one of the biggest people, people that I know. I can talk to anyone. I could honestly make friends with a brick wall. And that's just who I am. But there are certain conversations and certain chaos that I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I walk away from it feeling exhausted and just like overload, like get away. No, what? And this is someone, again, I've never had that problem. And so now after these last almost two years to be like, well, I don't really know what to tell you, but I need to, I need to set some more limits to be able to spend less time with certain people or in conversations that I know are just going to like, whoop, get me going the wrong way. And also when I'm in conversations like that, to be able to politely remove myself and be like, okay, I recognize that this is not necessarily the best for my mental health right now. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there is a slight concern that I have that I've lost tolerance to, and that is to staying up late and out late. Uh, I used to be someone that could, I would stay up till like two in the morning in college and I would be out and about and I'd do a lot of stuff. And even when I first moved to New York after graduating, I was still out late doing all this stuff. And now I'm thinking, oh, people want to meet up late? Ugh, can we, 
Can we do dinner at like six? If we're going out for drinks, can we do like nine? The next time that I have to visit Spain, I am in for a rude awakening because culturally, they eat dinner at about 10 p.m. and I am unprepared. But this summer, I was with my friends Alex and Erica and we went out and we were going to go to dinner and then we were going to go clubbing. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I have not gone clubbing in a good long while. This is, this is gonna be something. And so we have dinner reservations at 8.30 and I'm like, already, too late, too late. I, how am I gonna do this? And so I had coffee at like 4, 4.30 p.m. to be like, okay, it's gonna be a long day. Gotta energize. And so we're going to dinner and this was in Manhattan and it was rainy and kind of coldish for, it was a, a night rain in the summer. But so we went to Nobu and that, it takes a little bit. It's a, it's a restaurant that is not super fast because it's really popular and really big. Ran into Pete Davidson when we were there. Uh, that was, that was a fun time, but we're finishing up at dinner and it's been, it's at least two hours. It's been, it's, so it's at least 10.30 or so. And we've been drinking and by the time we get an Uber and we're back to Alex's place, it is about 11.30. So I think dinner probably lasted a little bit longer, but we're back at about 11.30 and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, we still have to go out after this? Like, <laughs> what? And so it was, we, we get back and we're like, okay, we're going to just recover for a little bit and just sit down and we were gonna come up with a game plan. And so we all come and we sit down and Alex, Erica and I just lay down for a minute and I'm thinking for the love of all that is good, I don't know how I'm gonna be able to get up and go clubbing. And I didn't wanna be the Debbie Downer of the evening and I was just gonna tough it out, but I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. I don't know. And as we're all laying there, just chilling for a second, Erica goes, okay, hear me out. What if we don't go out? And I shoot up and I was like, I like the way you think. And she's like, you know, I'm at a good level right now. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow feeling great. If we go to bed now, we'll be rested. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. So we did not go out clubbing. I successfully avoided it and I immediately like ripped off my eyelashes, my fake eyelashes, not my real ones, and was like, I'm ready for bed. And of course there's nights that I'm going to be actually ready to go out clubbing and out and about, but it was not one of those nights. And so to know my limits and Alex, Erica and I, when we're together, it's always fun to go out clubbing and go out and have that like night that really like dancey fun night, but I, I, just, I didn't have it in me. I did not, I did not have it in me. And I still don't know if I have it in me just yet. I'm like easing my way into it. But again, those, those things that you might be listening and watching and thinking, well, Charlotte, I never really go clubbing. That's not really relevant to me. I get that. But I bet you there are places in your profession as well that you have hit some level of 
intolerance or you've just lost a skill. And I know that I have. And I am someone that is a big traveler, big enough that that has become my industry and that I'm now in the travel space professionally and hobbyist, like for fun, but I've combined those things. And so travel for me is both business and pleasure. And I have always done a lot of travel. Like I've been to all 50 states and I've been to 43 countries so far. So been around the world a little bit. Uh, I have made so many travel instances that I look back on and think, oh my goodness, I don't know how I could handle that right now. And I say that kind of jokingly like, oh, back when I was in college, I could do anything. Yeah, like there are so some things with age that I definitely could do back then. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, how did I not die? It's fine. Save that for another day. But there are certain things in traveling that I have lost those skills. And for me, being the avid traveler that I am, I'm not going to lie, it sent me into a little bit of an existential crisis thinking like, wow, why is this why is this so challenging for me? Why is this so exhausting on my body? Why am I struggling so long for this six hour flight when I've previously the longest flight I've ever taken was 16 hours and 15 minutes? Yeah, that was a long one. That is in the I want I believe it's in the top 10 of longest flights in the world. The absolute longest is Newark to Singapore and that's 1815, I believe. So 1615, pretty up there. And I flew from JFK in New York to Manila, which is the capital of the Philippines, direct economy. Not business, not anything, just a regular old economy seat. Thankfully, I had a window and if I have a window, I can do anything. I am on top of the world, uh, both literally and metaphorically, but I'm thinking, I've done that. I slept for seven hours on that flight. That was a full night's sleep that some of my friends can't get in their own bed. They can't sleep for seven nights without waking up. And I slept for seven hours, seven nights, seven hours. I slept for seven hours on a plane in economy. So I'm thinking, oh, I am, I am the queen of traveling, the queen of sleeping on flights. And when I flew from Seattle, to New York earlier this summer, which is six and a half hours, I was going mad. I'm like, I need, I didn't sleep. I needed, I didn't try to sleep. So there's also that I can, I can still relatively sleep on planes, but I'm, I'm getting antsy. I'm like, all right, let's land. Come on. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to be off. And of course we're landing in New York at night in a thunder and lightning storm and we had two failed landing attempts, and by that I mean we were like coming in for the runway and we hit microbursts, which are huge like wind shears. Um, and so like our plane was going, we were starting to land, and then all of a sudden a huge like downward gust of wind came and our plane like ricocheted downward into the side and people were screaming, children were crying, and flight attendants were yelling, we're okay, we're okay. And I threw in some Jesus music and was like, not today, not today. 
And after two failed attempts, we landed and it was fine. And I got off that plane and I was like, thank goodness. Thank goodness and I'm on the ground, I'm outside of this, and that I don't have to fly for another, I didn't have a flight for two months. I was like, okay, I can chill for a little bit. And then I was thinking about it and I'm like, I am, I am an avid traveler and a traveler both for fun and profession. Why is this taking so much out of me? And I got a little hard on myself because I'm like, this is, this is what I do. Why, why am I struggling? And then I had a conversation with one of my best friends and she said, oh, well, I've taken this train ride recently and the two hour train ride just felt like forever. And I was just, I, I couldn't do it. I hated it. And then I'm part of this group on Facebook called Girls Love Travel and the founder, Haley Woods, she had posted something saying, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I've lost my travel, um, like stamina. She said that she had been on a four hour, or no, I think it was a two hour flight and she got off and her body felt like it had been a six hour flight. And this is a woman who has literally established this very large network of women that love traveling and she has been all around the world as well. And she's like, I feel like because I am who I am and because my job is what my job is, I shouldn't be feeling this, but I am. And I'm so glad that she posted that because I was feeling the same way and talking to other friends, they have been feeling the same way. And so I think it's really interesting and important to talk about that it's totally normal that lots of people are feeling this and I don't want to say necessarily it's it's burnout because burnout would be different, but it's recognizing that there's these skills that you used to be using all the time, all the time. And now that you haven't been using them, you haven't been in those normal routines for about a year and a half, two years, that it's totally understandable and okay that your skills are a little rusty. And I just want to encourage you that it's like the idea of riding a bike. You know, everyone says you never forget how to ride a bike. And I do think that's true. I've never forgotten how to ride a bike, but sometimes after you don't ride a bike for a few years, you get on it and you're a little, little, little bit shaky and you're like, oh no, I have, I have to get my momentum back going. And sometimes there's stops that aren't as smooth as normal or you hit potholes or just, it's not as enjoyable of a ride right at first because you're like, wow, haven't done this in a while. And people always think about that with bikes, but you don't necessarily think about that with other skills. You don't think about that with things in your profession, with things that you would so routinely do, like taking your keys out of your purse before you walk out of the store, before you get to your car, that once you don't do it, you look back and think, wow, what? When did I, when did I lose that, you know? And it's, it's a really interesting concept. And these have just been a few, a few examples, but I would love to know what you have experienced and what skills in particular you think that you may have lost or you have lost a tolerance for. Because the more that I talk to people about this, the more that everyone is going through it in some way or another. And it could be 
it could be fitness in the gym. You go after the gyms had been closed for so long, you get back in and you want to go to your immediate like max rep and your, your arms are like, no, no, can't do that. Build up these high tolerances for things because you do them repetitively. And then when you don't do them for a while, you drop back down a little bit. And that's normal, that's fine. But I don't feel like people talk about that enough. And I don't think that people audibly say that is okay. Because it is. But a lot of people don't like to admit it or focus on the fact that they've lost that skill. So again, I want you to hear me loud and clear that if you are going through this right now, if you have been hard on yourself because you feel like you've lost a skill, you've lost a tolerance, or you're just not where you want to be with some of these things that used to come so naturally to you, it is okay. You are totally valid in what you are feeling. And it's gonna come back, you just gotta keep working at it. And so for me, with travel, it's like, well, just gotta get back to the skies more. And the more that I start traveling again, the more I'm like, okay, I'm getting back into my routine. Especially even just going through security, there's those certain things. Forgot to empty my water bottle recently and the guy pulled it. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I promise I'm not a rookie, especially because I have TSA pre, so I'm in like the expedited security lane. And they're kind of like, you should, you should know what you're doing if you're in TSA pre. And I'm like, honestly, yes. And I often do know what I'm doing, but also it was at five o'clock in the morning. I was very tired. So sir, it's fine. But whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's these big things in your profession or it's those little things that you don't do once, like my keys, and I guarantee you I will never do that again. I did not like that feeling of walking through the parking lot and I just felt vulnerable. And I, I said, nope. So I, I know for a fact that I will not do that again. And it just took that one time for me to say, whoop, all right, snap back into it. But there's other things you won't snap right back into. And again, it's totally okay. So I would love to know what it is that you've been experiencing. And feel free to share this episode with anyone else that you think might benefit from hearing that it's totally okay to be feeling what you're feeling. And I think the more that we talk about this kind of stuff, the more stigmas get broken down around the fact that it is okay to acknowledge and say, well, this isn't necessarily a failure or who cares, even if it is a failure that I've lost some of these skills, that at least I'm acknowledging it and I'm working towards getting it back. So thank you guys for joining on this a little bit heavy, a little bit lighthearted subject, but it's something that was really on my heart that I've been experiencing a lot and a lot of people in my close circle have been as well. So I hope it encouraged you. Please like, share, subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube, the video version, or you can follow along with the podcast, We, Us, and Ours on Spotify, on Apple, literally anywhere that you get podcasts. And I am at Char from Chicago on everything. So thank you guys. Be well, and I will see you all here together again soon.